Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. And I'm thankful for you. Good morning. I'm Pastor Dennis, and this is a day that God has given us to live and to love and to serve. In just four days, it'll be Thanksgiving, the time when one species ceases to gobble so another can begin. <laughs> I love Thanksgiving. Countless calories, tables groaning under large platters of food, trips to the airport, long-distance phone calls. This holiday is full and fun, and you don't have to refinance your home to celebrate it. All you have to do is allow your children to watch parades in the morning. You watch football in the afternoon and pretend that everyone loves turkey. <laughs> Thanksgiving is about all the good things in life. It's about country and family. It's about sunshine and soil combining in the miracle of life. And all through the Bible, we find times of feasting as well as times of fasting. This Thursday, for many of us, it'll be a time of feasting. And here's the question. After the feast, after all the festivities, after the huge meal, perhaps, will you be full? Will you be satisfied? Will you be content? Isn't it ironic that the day after we sit around our tables and we proclaim that God is the one in whom all blessings flow, that we are eternally grateful and content, we go right into the largest shopping day of the year in Black Friday. The Apostle Paul discovered the secret of being content that we're going to look at today. Our Bible passage today is from the New Testament book to the Philippians. Paul wrote this epistle, this letter, while under house arrest in Rome around 61 to 62 AD. He is facing perhaps his own death. His own death looms on the horizon, and yet his letter is full of joy. 16 times in this small little letter to these Philippians, he mentions joy or rejoice. Great verses all throughout, such as Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Those are words that were coming from a heart that had been set free. He is so grateful for this group of believers that he's held very close in his heart and he's pouring out his soul. Perhaps one of his last letters, he's thanking them for the gift of sending him Epaphroditus. Now, it's very interesting and it needs to be mentioned that the church at Philippi began out of a wonderful movement of the Holy Spirit. This is found in Acts chapter 16. We find that the church was founded on three big conversions. The conversion of a Jewish woman named Lydia, who was a seller of purple. She was a businesswoman, a professional. And then the second conversion was a Greek slave girl who was delivered and set free. And the third person, probably the climax of the 16th chapter, was the conversion of a Roman jailer 
Not only he, but his entire household. And so here we find in the church at Philippi, the ancient world in miniature. We find a Jew, we find a Greek, and we find a Roman. All who have found the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is pouring out his heart. He says he has learned the secret of being content. Have you learned that? Are you a contented person? He has. And if he's discovered it, perhaps we can discover it today. And so I'm reading today from the fourth chapter, starting at verse 10, going to verse 13, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen today. And here's what he says as he's discovered this secret. He says, I rejoice. There's that word again, joy, rejoice. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let me repeat that again. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There's that key verse that some of us learned many, many years ago, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's where the joy comes from. Now, let's just kind of unpack that. Let's look at that. Look at verse 12. Now, remember, he's sitting in a jail cell. He's chained to a Roman guard, as we shall see. And yet, he's writing words of hope. He says, for I've learned the secret of being content in any situation when I live with God. So, what he's suggesting here is what? Contentment is not natural. It's a learned behavior. He's learned it in time. He's grown in Christ. He's learned to trust Christ over the years. And it depends on his perspective in life and what's going on within him. See, what he had discovered is this. It's a secret to life that we can discover here in the Miami Valley. That joy, ultimate joy, the joy of God is not determined by our outward circumstances. It's determined by what's going on within our hearts. Joy is not determined by what's going on around you or for Apostle Paul, he was in jail, but what was going on where? Within him, within you. His heart had been set free. And so for the remainder of this message, I wanna give you two points, quick points, two things that you can take with you as you Gather with your family and your friends around that holiday table this Thursday. First of all, here is the way that we can have a heart of contentment and attitude of gratitude this week. Focus on the opportunity instead of the obstacle. Focus on the good things before you and not the obstacle. Focus on the potential and not the problem. The Apostle Paul did that. Let's go back to the first chapter of Philippians, and he'll tell you what's happened to him. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
verses 12 to 14. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That word advance in the Greek literally means to move forward in spite of obstacles and dangers that block your path. So he had all these obstacles, he had all these problems, and he said, actually, these problems helped him to carry out the good news message of joy of Jesus. So we asked the question, well, what actually happened to Paul? Well, if we look at the story in Acts chapter 16, he was subject to all kinds of hardship. So if you feel like you're the only one that goes through hard times and all those people in the Bible had good times and they were blessed, that's not true. What happened to Paul? He says, because what happened to me has actually helped me, has served in advancing this gospel message. Well, he was falsely accused, you'll remember. He was subject to mob violence at one point in the story. He was stripped naked. He was beaten with rods, not having a good day there. He was put on trial and he was sent off to Rome where he was on a ship in the ancient world. He was in the middle of a typhoon <laughs> that happened, so natural disaster. The ship broke up. He was in a shipwreck and almost died all these things, and now he's facing his own death. He's chained to an elite Roman guard, and yet he says all these things have helped to advance the gospel. Look at verse 13, the next verse. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And so Paul says that he is chained to a palace guard. Who were the palace guards? Well, Caesar Augustus had set aside 10,000 elite fighting men. These were the green berets. These were the flower of the army, the Navy SEALs, so to speak, the rangers. They were paid more. They were given a greater amount of money at retirement. And they were held in high esteem. Those were the palace guards. They were the ones that people really looked up to but also feared. Certainly, they were respected. The Apostle Paul, he was chained to them. Ancient uh, history will tell us that he probably was chained to about a six-foot chain. They would work in about four-hour time periods. So he was chained 24-7. That means he would have had six different palace guards. Now, it would have been easy for a person to say, if I were in his shoes, I would say something like, oh, woe is me. I can't do anything. I can't preach. God has called me to preach and I can't preach because you see, I'm chained to this Roman guard. I can't do anything. And look at the problem instead of the possibility. But not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he knew of the situation and in every obstacle he found opportunity, right? So what did he do? He looked at those palace guards as a captive audience. That was his congregation. He said, well, I'm here. They're here. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And that's why in verse 13, it says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. 
Paul saw the opportunity. So think about your challenge. Think about your problem. Think about whatever it might be at work. Maybe it's a person you work with. Maybe it's a family situation. God, how can you turn it around? We sing that song here. Turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. And I'm going to make the best. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a light. That can bring joy this holiday season. Because let's be honest. (laughs) Days like Thursdays can be relatively relatively difficult, especially dealing with some relatives, right? But we're going to look this Thanksgiving at opportunities. Number two, relax in what you already have. That's the way that we can find a heart of contentment. That's how we can learn to seek, to relax what we already have. Enjoy that gift. Paul says, I've learned to be content. My contentment is not based upon plenty or want, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry. The secret is something greater. I'm old school. I still like uh, comic strips. One favorite comic strip is that of Peanuts, Charlie Brown. Years ago, I saw this Thanksgiving comic strip of Snoopy. He was on top of his doghouse. He was feeling sorry for himself. He was having a pity party because he was invited inside to the great banquet Lucy, Linus, Charlie Brown, and others were all feasting inside, and he was stuck with dog food. And as he was out on top of the doghouse, all of a sudden, a little message, as he had a thought, came over him, and he says, you know what? It could be worse. I could have been born a turkey. (laughs) Now, that little phrase I want you to get in your mind today, it could be worse. It could be, just go ahead and say that right now to yourself so you can hear it. It could be worse. It could be, turn towards your neighbor if you're close to someone and say, you know what? It could be worse. It could be worse because the truth of the matter is it could be. Now, today's kind of a cloudy day. It's an okay day. I mean, it's not a perfect day, right? But guess what? It could be worse. We could have snow out here. Don't say it, Pastor. We actually had it last November, right? We could be in a blizzard. We could be in a hurricane. It always could be worse. And so when you get down and out, You need to say it could be worse. Say to your kids, say to your grandkids when they start complaining, but it could be worse. It could be, my mom was good at that. She said that often, Dennis, quit complaining. It could be worse. There are people who don't have much. So let's just practice that today so we can get it in our minds so we'll be ready for Thursday. When you go out of this place, you're gonna leave, you're gonna find your car somewhere in the parking lot. I assume everybody here drove, right, or came with someone. And you're gonna look at your car and you're gonna look around and perhaps there'll be a nicer car, a newer car, a faster car, and you're gonna look at your old jalopy and you're gonna say, you know, I wish I had this car. Why do I? You're not gonna say that today, are you? What are you gonna say? You're gonna say it could be worse. Because the truth is, there are people who would long for a car. I said in the first service, working with about 100 Vietnamese pastors over the last several years, none of them had the luxury of a car. They couldn't afford a car. That would be something special in their country to have a car. They, if they were fortunate, if they were wealthy enough, they would have a little motorbike. Only the extreme wealthy in the country owned a car. Most of us have a car. And it could be worse, you see, because it could be. Let's remember that when we go out into our parking lot today. And then when we go home, you're going to go to your condo. You're going to go to your apartment. You're going to go to your house. You're going to look around. And if you are thinking like the world would think, you may be thinking, you know, 
but I'd like to have a bigger house, a brighter house, a newer house, a greater house. But today and this week, you're not going to do that, are you? (laughs) Instead, what are you going to say? You're going to say with great gusto, because it could be. There are people who don't have shelter tonight. It could be worse. One more. If you're married, you're going to wake up, you're going to look over at 6.30 a.m. and you're going to say, you're not going to say that. (laughs) Don't say that. Come on now. Why is it that we become so discontented? Why is it that often, if we have a thousand things in our lives, we won't focus on the 997 things that we do have, but we focus on the three things that we don't have? People become so discontented. I mean, think about this. Tall people want to be short. Short people want to be tall. People with curly hair want straight hair. People with straight hair want curly hair. Some people just want to have hair. There are single people who want to be married, and there are married people who want to be single, right? Husbands and wives grow discontented over time because they fail to look at the treasure they have with one another, and they start looking around. Let's take a traditional sense. So you have this husband here all the time. He starts thinking about the fact he's fussing and fighting and carrying on with his wife. And he starts looking at his buddy's wife. She sure is prettier. She sure is nicer. She sure is kinder. She she sure does understand. My wife doesn't. But here's what this guy doesn't really see. He doesn't see his buddy's wife early in the morning when her hair is hanging down. When she's got breath that can stop a Mack truck. He he doesn't see that. When PMS turns their house into Jurassic Park, he he doesn't see that. (laughs) Wives do it too. I heard about this couple. They were always at each other, older couple, always at that nagging point. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Don't you care? So they were out in their front yard and the woman was admiring the relationship of the young couple lived next door, just newlyweds. And they were both out there and she was watching the man come home. Now, his wife had just got home from work and she was already home and she was out near the front door. He came by and he was carrying a nice bouquet of flowers. And he came up to her very softly. He said, I just, just glad to be in your presence, babe gave her a soft kiss. This older couple is over here looking at all this. She says to her husband, well, why don't you do that? He said, well, I hardly know the woman. (laughs) Those are bad jokes today, (laughs) but I got you to listen. (laughs) We become so discontented, don't we? Whether it be our car, our kids, our job situation. We need to relax in what we already have. Would you read this verse with me from the Good News Translation from Ecclesiastes chapter 6 so I don't feel all alone up here. Let's read it together. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. It's true because true life is not found in the abundance of things. True life is found in a relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Close with this. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Managua City Dump. I've told some of you this story months ago. Over 2,000 people at the time lived around this open air dump, not like our landfills, in the heart of Nicaragua, the second poorest underdeveloped country in the Western Hemisphere. And they spend their day rummaging through the dump, trying to find items that they can resell. They live in shanties. And I remember standing there. Some of you have been there as well. Jim Wilson, when he was in Troy, took several groups, several hundred people down to Managua a decade ago. We met a woman who was the matriarch of the dump. She was kind of the most respected person, the grandmother who lived in one of the shanties who was a person of faith. Her name was Esther. And so we asked her, how could you do it, Esther? How could you be so full of the Spirit? She had a smile on her face. I'm thinking you are living in a literal hell on earth. How could you live like this? And I never will forget what she said. She said, Dennis, she said, Jim, I'm living in victory. I'm thinking, you're living in hell. She said, I'm living in victory, and she meant it. Because her joy, her hope, was not determined on what was going on around her. She had found the secret of being content. She had found what Paul was talking about here in the fourth chapter. She had found Jesus. Have you found it? Do you know that it'll change your world? And that's what we celebrate today. The old world says, consume as much as you can and you die. But the fact of the matter is, on the third day, that stone got rolled away, right? And because of that, we came up out of that baptismal water, amen, into a new life. There's good news, there's good news, there's good news. And it's enough to be thankful this year. Would you agree? And so, amen, may it be so. Lord, I just pray for every family here. What a blessing they are to each other and to me. I thank you for those who came up out of that water today. Good news, good news, good news. I thank you for those who have shared their faith that life is not determined by their outward circumstances. And I pray blessings not only on them, but each of us will discover that there's more to life than what we experience. There's joy beyond this moment, eternal joy that's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you will bless each family. This Thanksgiving, they may be full of hope. Bless our conversations, fill them with grace, compassion. Heal relationships on Thursday as well. And may the living Christ be found sitting around each holiday table this week. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen.
I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.